Hello and welcome back students to the discussion of Evolution of Literary Movements, The Shapers of Destiny, Module 2. In this lecture, we shall be talking about three kings whose combined reign is from 1399 to 1461. Henry IV, Henry V and Henry VI. Henry IV, the first among these kings, ascended the throne of England after Richard II. Henry IV, just like Richard II, was the grandson of Edward III, last of the greatest Edwards of England. However, the difference is that Richard II was the grandson of Edward III through Edward the Black Prince, the first son of Edward III and Philippa. However, Henry IV was the grandson through the third son of Edward III, John of Gaunt of Lancaster. John of Gaunt married thrice in his life and Henry IV was the son of John of Gaunt with Blanche of Lancaster. Henry IV, his son Henry V and his grandson Henry VI together formed the Lancaster royalty of England. So we shall start our discussion with Henry IV who reigned England from 1399 to 1413. Hello team. Henry IV of England was also known as Henry of Brawlingbok or Henry of Lancaster. Henry IV ascended the throne of England after Richard II. With Richard II, the direct Angevian bloodline of English kings ended and another branch of the same bloodline replaces it. Henry IV was the son of John of Gaunt, the third son of Edward III, violating the English rule of giving the succession to the eldest son and their heirs. So as per the English rules that existed during the time, Henry had no real right to, to the throne of England except the right of a conqueror. So his kingship was validated by the parliament rather than any divine right theory. So naturally, since the very kingship as the highest authority of the country was dependent upon the validation of parliament, Henry IV of England and his reign witnessed the increasing strength of the parliament. The House of Commons was absolved or exempted from the idea of collective responsibility. The concept of collective responsibility in politics or in parliamentary system is a policy that binds all the representatives of a government, for example a cabinet, to support all the decisions and the policies taken by the government in public. So the ministers belonging to a particular cabinet of a government is supposed to publicly support all the policies made by that government even though they might have private disagreements with the same. So here, during Henry IV's reign, commons were absolved from this collective responsibility which meant that they did not vote unless their pleas were heard. If they had a difference, they had the right to express their difference in public. Another important feature that 
showed us the strength of the parliament during Henry IV's reign is that the parliament had the ability to ke- keep a check on unnecessary royal expenditures by demanding more transparency. However, the increased power of the parliament did not suggest that parliament had all the authority over the king. However, the parliament could be easily overthrown and decisions could be made in favor of the king. Also, the parliament could not prevent or say no to war and it did not even have the right to conduct free elections. But however, the parliament was relatively powerful compared to the history of the parliamentary actions in England during Henry IV's time. Coming to Henry IV as a king, Henry IV of England was someone we can call an ideal king. He was capable, merciful and had a very appreciable sense of justice. Henry IV's moderation or soft attitude was however not appreciated by the nobles who wanted him to appear as a rather strong person. So Richard II who was sacked from his throne was not killed and he was locked which led to a lot of conspiracy amongst Richard's supporters. So the parliament and the important nobles of England wanted Henry IV the king to kill Richard II so that no one raises any questions regarding the validity of Henry IV's kingship. Even though reluctantly, Henry IV orders the killing of Richard II in 1400. This is the first opposition or problem that Henry IV addressed. There was another Welsh rebellion led by Owen Glendower and conflicts in Scotland during the period until 1409. The marcher lords like the Earl of Northumberland constantly irritated Henry through their protests and they had raised a demand that Henry IV should settle the money that he had bought from him and the rest of the group earlier which came to amount uh, to about 60,000 pounds. The Battle of Shrewsbury which took place in 1403 was between Earl Percy, Percy's son Henry Hotspur and Henry IV of England in the question of the money that Henry IV bought from them. Battle of Shrewsbury in 1403 ended in English victory and peace was granted for a few period. However, the Earl of Northumberland along with Henry Hotspur's son joins Owen Glendower and raises another rebellion. Thomas Mowbray is killed for inciting this rebellion but without full resolution of this conflict, the king succumbed to an incurable skin disease similar to leprosy and left his earthly abode. He spent few long years in his illness and finally died in 1413. And Henry IV of England is known as the king who placed the House of Lancaster on the throne of England. The son of Henry IV 
viewed as almost a fairy tale king who was brave handsome and chivalrous and honorable reigned england from 1413 to 1422 he was the kind of the king who truly believed in the quotation or in the common saying an idle mind is a devil's workshop because henry v is believed to have strongly maintained that dangerous ideas fill your heart if you are left idle for a long time so in order for the english people not to be left idle for a long time henry v decides to restart the 100 years war started by edward iii of england henry iv was taught by the previous king richard ii himself and richard ii educated and knighted him when henry v's father henry iv was in exile henry v is known as the first english king who could both read and write with ease in the vernacular tongue he made a number of resolution before he fully took power as his king the first step he did in england was to dig up the body of richard ii the previous king whom his father henry iv had killed and bury it with full honors of royalty the second step was the 5th earl of march edmund mortimer a male relative that descended from edward iii's children or the great great grandson of edward iii or his heir presumptive of richard ii was pardoned edmund mortimer had participated in the welsh rebellion against henry iv and he had made his claims to throne and he also had relations with hotspur percy who fought against henry iv so due to his treacherous activities against the king or the previous king he was banished and his possessions were taken over by the royalty so henry v pardons edmund the earl of march and the third step that he takes before or becoming a fuller king is to treat parliament with respect and the last step is hotspur's son was given his rightful lineage the land of northumbria was returned to the son of hotspur percy despite these noble actions henry v of england faced numerous challenges during his reign the first challenge happened in 1414 1414 which is titled or which is named lollard rising The senseless persecution of lawlords was considered as almost the only blot in the reign of Henry V. A king who was as generous and as sensible as Henry V had this one blind spot where the topic of lawlords were concerned. Lawlords were persecuted throughout England and burning them at stake was such a common occupation in England during his reign. Henry V's primary move to attack France happened subsequent to the feud that broke out between the two powerful noble families called the Duke of Orleans and the Duke of Burgundy.
the duke of burgundy approached the king of england henry v for help and protection against his acceptance of the english king as his feudal overlord henry v who received the opportunity that he had been waiting for all his life by supervising and building up his navy and army for all these years organizes england's fleet of ships and sets sail for france in 1415 with an army of 10000 well trained well equipped men trained in fighting with the best of weapons this further ensues the battle of seine which is the battle that takes place in the river seine which establishes england as the most supreme naval power in europe followed by the battle of agen which is the most prominent battle that was fought in all of europe which launches england as the strongest military power in europe this results in treaty of troyes in 1420 in which henry is recognized as the heir to french throne after charles vi Henry V further cements this alliance with France by marrying daughter of Charles VI Catherine of Valois or Valois as correctly pronounced House of Lancaster thus was established as the most important family in Europe Henry V is also known for his usage of English in his writings and is recognized as first truly english king of england winston churchill the later prime minister of england in his book a history of the english speaking peoples considers henry v as a king who was entirely national in his outlook and the first king to use english language in his letters and his messages home from the front however Henry V had a rather short duration of kingship when Dauphin the heir apparent of France refused to accept Henry V as his king a war broke out again with France but Henry passed away in 1422 cause of a virulent form of dysentery at the tender age of 35 Henry V is regarded as the most domineering yet highly efficient king of England. However, the tragedy of his reign was that he used all his capacity and capability as a king to commit his country to a foreign war rather than introducing constructive reforms in his own country and improving his own country's economic structure. Since Henry V married to Catherine of Valois of France died at the tender age of 35 Henry VI his infant son took on the reign of English throne in 1422 since the moment of his grandfather Henry IV's ascendance into the English throne there was conflicts and rivalry between the different descendants of the sons of Edward III that was simmering throughout England but as Henry IV and V were strong rulers this rivalry remained under control but the infant Henry VI as he ascended to the throne experienced a turmoil 
of this rivalry rising and coming up to the public. In 1422, Henry VI was the King of England through his father, Henry V, and he was also the King of France through his grandfather or maternal grandfather, Charles VI. England was ruled by his uncle, Duke of Bedford, who was the Lord Protector of England and Regent of France. Since Henry VI did not have the charisma of his father and grandfather, he did not have much control over a turbulent country like England. Therefore, the government was left entirely in the hands of the Lord Protector, Duke of Bedford. At this point, England entered into the last phase of 100 years of war, where the English campaign in France was managed by the Lord Protector, Duke of Bedford, and it seemed like England was almost winning when the country besieged the city of Orleans in France. But the city of Orleans did not fall for England. We understand that the history of France would have changed totally if the city of Orleans did fall to England. But there, in a little village, Domremy, a young shepherd girl named Joanne of Arc, who claimed to have been sent by God to lead France to victory, led to a turning point in history. The siege of Orleans, which took place in 1428, English forces felt an insufficiency in terms of the number of people they had to fight. And Joanne of Arc, who argued that she received visions from God which will lead to the victory of France, raised morale of the troops of France. And this eventually resulted and forced England to retreat from the siege. The Dauphin of France was coronated as Charles VII in 1429. This is already an unfortunate moment for England. However, at the same time, the Duke of Burgundy, who had been the instrumental force in inviting Henry V of England to capture the French crown, fell out of the English ally, that is Duke of Bedford, who was the Lord Protectorate. So these two elements uh, worked against the victory of England. But however, the fortunes of war led to the capture of Joanne of Arc by the English. She was tortured and burnt at stake as a witch. However, her death became a sort of martyrdom and raised a flame of nationalism in France. Joanna of Arc later became a saint in the Catholic Church. In 1430, the Sage of Combine happened. That is when Joan of Arc was captured and burnt at stake. After this, the Duke of Burgundy went back and aligned himself with Charles VII and recognized Charles VII as the King of France. So the English focused to expand their domain in the Low Countries and Charles VII was more modern and more professional he introduced cannons and improved the French artillery in the army. It led to the Battle of Formigny, where French won. Charles VII got back Normandy, 
Gascony was the last province held on by the English. It was attacked and besieged in 1451. It eventually led to the last war, Battle of Castillon in 1453, where the English was completely defeated and had lost all their possession in France, thus ending the Hundred Years of War. So the period of Henry VI's reign alone saw 20 years of conflict. As the English landowners were mourning the financial losses of the war, war that was happening with the country France, the internal conflicts in England raised. Henry VI was not a great ambitious man. He was married to Margaret of Anjou and his life was controlled by his wife and the domineering cousins of Beforts. Since Henry did not have a son yet, his cousin Richard, the Duke of York, who was the grandson of Edmund, the fourth son of Edward III, he was proclaimed the heir to the throne. Richard, the Duke of York, had a further claim to the throne because he was also a descendant on his mother's side of Lionel, the Duke of Clarence, who was the second son of Edward III. So Richard, the Duke of York, had two connections from his father's side through the fourth son of Edward III and from his mother's side through the second son of Edward III. Henry VI turned into a sort of senility and he was highly ineffectual in nature and also he had bouts of insanity. This completely made him an unfit king. However, the headstrong and uh, strong-willed Margaret of Anjou, the wife of Henry VI, was strong in her claim and this stro strong hand furthered when Henry VI and Margaret of Anjou had a son, finally. It strengthened the Queen's claim, who went ahead and, and dismissed the heir apparent, Richard, the Duke of York, and appointed Edward Beaufort, the Duke of Somerset, as regent. It was at this point the Wars of Roses began when Richard was left with no option but to take up arms and fight for the right to be the king. The Wars of Roses begins at 1455. So it is exactly at the nick of time, just two years after the Hundred Years of War ended in 1453. So just as the English landowners who were mounting the financial losses forced upon them by the Hundred Years of War, the War of Roses, which led to an internal conflict in the government, began in 1455. As we talked about during the reigns of Henry's, Henry IV, V and VI, we talked about the House of Lancaster. Henry IV, V and VI belonged to the House of Lancaster, which was known by the badge of Red Rose. And in opposition, the conflict that was raised by Richard, the Duke of York, belonged to the House of York, which had a badge of White Rose. Therefore, the conflict between the two houses, the House of Lancaster and the House of York, was known as the Wars of Roses because of the colour of the rose on their respective badges.
The first battle between them happened at St. Albans in 1455. Before that, we have to understand how, while a king is alive, such a battle ensued in England. Lancaster's was the descendants of the third son of Edward III, while the Yorks were the descendants of the second and fourth sons of Edward III. It was the King Henry VI's fit of madness and delay in fathering a child and the resentments that the people and the leaders had in the management of the kingdom by the king's council, which was primarily led by the queen, Margaret of Anjou, who was highly ambitious and who allowed the English position in France to deteriorate. Therefore, it gave an opportunity for the heir apparent, who was from the House of York, to raise a claim and thus deteriorate the power and position of the already existing king. This leads to the Wars of Roses, where the descendants of Edward III from House of Lancaster and House of York is conflicting with each other. In the first war at St. Albans in 1455, the House of York establishes a victory. The regent, the Duke of Somerset, was captured and killed. The king was also captured. Richard becomes the regent. And the queen, the queen Margaret of Anjou and her son escapes. So Richard the York, the Duke of York, became the powerful person in the country while in the, in the forefront Henry VI was still the king. After four years of peace in 1460, when King Henry VI was away fighting in Ireland, the Lancasters attacked the Yorkists at Northampton. This fight in Northampton is led under the command of Richard Neville, the Earl of Warwick, and Lancasterians were defeated and Yorkists marched back to London in triumph and Richard's position was assured. But this time, the king was forced to proclaim Richard as his successor, a step that was not acceptable for the queen or her supporters. So in Northampton, Henry VI had to announce that Richard was going to succeed him, thus disinheriting Queen Margaret and Prince Edward. So battles were drawn in December 1460 at Wakefield, which is the turning point in the history of the Wars of Roses. This battle saw the Lancasterian victory and the death of Richard of York. Many mature statesmen and royal family members died on both the houses. And as the victorious team leader, Queen Margaret did not spare anyone and showed no mercy to the survivors. In the York's family, Earl of Warwick was the only one left among the elder statesmen who eventually guided Richard of York's son, Edward, to avenge his father's death. So this led to Battle of Mortimer Cross in February 1461. 
This was again a bloody battle, but uh, no one, neither the Yocast family nor the Lancasterian family, completely succeeded in winning over the other. So the second battle of St. Albans was fought in mid-February of 1461. The Yorkists were defeated and many were slaughtered. However, the eldest statements in the Yorkist family, uh, Earl of Warwick, escaped. King Henry VI, who was more or less a prisoner of the Yorkist faction, reunited with his wife, Margaret of Anjou, who, however, did not prefer to uh, live in London, the capital city, but preferred to stay in Berwick, which was in the north of London, and ruled the land from there. So there was a difference of response in London, where many people welcomed Edward of York, who was the son of Richard of York. Edward of York proclaimed himself as king and decreed that all Lancasterians are traitors. In March 1461, another conflict between the Lancasters and the Yorks happened in a place called Town Towton. That is where the Yorkist was able to win a decisive victory over the Lancasters. The queen had to fled to Scotland with her son and husband. Many Lancasterian nobles were dead on the battleground. And Edward, the son of Richard of York, was officially crowned as the King of England in 1461. The Parliament with Edward passed an act of attainder which enabled the king to confiscate all the lands and properties owned by Lancasterians, since Lancasterians were declared as traitors. And Edward undertook the name Edward IV. So with Edward IV, the Yorkist faction or the family of York comes into the throne of England. Edward IV was rather a decisive and strong and chivalrous and kind king, very much similar to Henry V. But it was the sole resolve of Margaret of Anjou, the queen of Henry VI, who was determined to get back the birthright of her son that kept the Lancasterian spirit alive and caused trouble in Edward IV's reign. And Margaret of Anjou was a strong political figure since she had faithful allies in Scotland and France and both of these places were eager to fight against England. In 1462, Margaret of Anjou arrived at England with an army to undertake Edward and three northern castles welcomed her. And their combined might was easily set aside by the artillery of English crown. He tried his very best to stay magnanimous even after the victory that Edward IV pardoned all the Lancasterian nobles was, who were trapped in these three castles which welcomed Margaret of Anjou and he pardoned many Lancasterian nobles a specific name, a popular name is Sir Ralph Percy, who
who was even given an important position in the government but however margaret of anjou as i mentioned earlier the strong political figure and strong personality was able to influence sir ralph percy to turn traitor and he opened the castle of bamberg for queen margaret's army and enabled the 1464 lancasterian rising but even though the queen had a lot of supporters the queen's army was no match to the army the king of england edward iv had therefore the lancasterians lost again edward marked his victory and queen had to flood england with her son and henry vi the previous king was captured and kept at the tower of london the queen and son had earlier escaped to the court of duke of burgundy but uh, he was not of great help uh, even though she remained in his court for some time she eventually had to move to france her birthplace with this the the reign of the henrys 4 5 and 6 comes to an end and we go into the english rule under the yorkist faction with edward iv as the first yorkist king in the english throne before we end the discussion we have to understand queen margaret of anjou was a fascinating figure in the history her struggles as a lone woman for justice and to protect the birthright of her son to become the king of england and her multiple encounters with death in this fight and the narrow escapes that she continued to do and all the men who she was able to convince to lay down their life and limb for her and for her purpose she has inspired many a story writers and later in the english history many stories and chronicles have been written about her and her story has become nothing short of a stuff of romance so as many stories came out about the henrys king kings who were popular and inspiring queen margaret equally had an inspiring life